Thank you for being here tonight. If you have notes, and I hope that you are, I want you to write this down at the top of your notes. I want to give you my title. The title for tonight is Busyness Versus Rest. Mm, I heard a couple. A couple people in here already. <laughs> I heard somebody go, mm, that's right. Busyness. Not business, but busyness. That's spelled correctly. It looks weird, but it's spelled correctly. Not business versus rest. We're not against business majors. Busyness versus rest is where we're going to land tonight. Now, before we talk about this, I want to get into where we've been in our series. Obviously, our series is Imperfect People, Perfect God. And we've covered an array of different topics. We started with culture versus Christ. Then we went into apathy versus desire. Uh, last week, we talked, can anybody tell me what we talked about last week? Do you remember? Entitlement versus gratitude. There we go. We're paying attention. That's good. We got our notes. That's what I like. Well, tonight is busyness versus rest. How many people, let's be honest, it's okay to raise your hand in church, all right? It's okay to raise your hand in church. It's okay to make noise in church. It's okay to get excited. In fact, we should be excited about worshiping the Lord. How many of you walked in those doors tonight, and you walked in, and you are tired, Amen. right? Tired. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're thriving right now, and you don't feel tired. Praise the Lord for that. That's fantastic. Hold on to that season. That's great. But for a lot of us, we came in the doors uh, tired, Fatigued, worn down, discouraged. Does anybody get discouraged at all? Man, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's easy to get discouraged. And, and the reason why is because we have an enemy attacking us constantly. So we are a generation that's very tired. We're a generation that's very tired. You and me both, millennials and Gen Z, we're very, very tired. And so is it bad to be busy? This is a question we're going to look at tonight. What does it actually look like scripturally to rest? Something we're going to look at tonight. Why do we go on vacation and come back and still kind of don't feel like we really rested? Why on Saturday or your off day, whenever it is for you, when you're able to stay at home and, and watch football or watch a movie or do your thing or hang out with your friends, how come you still feel not necessarily rejuvenated? You, go, you wake up the next day and you have work and you're still dreading it. You don't feel like you're rested. Why are we so tired? I want to talk about that tonight with you because it's a big thing that's plaguing our generation. It's a big, big deal. Now, here's one of the things I want you to understand. The atmosphere of our culture has changed very drastically in the last few years. You're aware of it, and I am too. And before we look at Isaiah 26, I want you to understand this. When we, every July, fly into Denver, Colorado for a mission trip that we do here in the States, every time we fly into Denver and we get there, we start doing a kids camp, we start playing basketball, we start playing soccer, we start doing a lot of different sports with people who are very lost. And when we get there, there's an adjustment that has to happen as soon as you land. Because it's different than Memphis. And I'm not just talking about culturally. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about a physical adjustment. you know what it is? Jet lag. That'd kind of be anywhere you fly to. But yes, jet lag, for sure. Altitude. Listen, Denver is a lot higher up than Memphis. Does anybody know how high up? I don't know. I didn't research that. But how? Five, oh, I think it's 5,000 feet. Right, Hannah? Mile high. Yeah, there it is. Boom. Right? That's a big difference. So, for me, I'm not in awful shape. Amen. I'm not in great shape. I'm also not in awful shape. I'm probably somewhere in the middle, right? Probably somewhere in the middle. Dakota, fantastic. Praise the Lord for the gym. For me, I'm somewhere in the middle. Very average. When I hit the soccer field in Denver, I get tired within 15 minutes. I mean, it doesn't take long. I do a little bit of running, and I'm exhausted. I'm tired. It's because of the altitude. It's because there's a change in the atmosphere around me. And here's the crazy thing when you get there. You can't necessarily see 
right? The change in the atmosphere around you, but you feel the effects of it. It wears you out very quickly. College students, what I want to tell you, in the last 15 to 20 years, the atmosphere, watch this, the atmosphere of our culture has changed radically. And you can't necessarily see the effects of that atmosphere changing, but you feel it, do you not? Listen, it was just 15 years ago we didn't have an iPhone. You realize that. I do because I was in eighth grade when it came out. Our our culture's atmosphere, if you will, has changed drastically, and it's draining you and it's draining me. Now, you say, Daniel, how do you know that? Are you just a cultural wizard? Do you just know all things? Absolutely not. But in one of the books that I've been reading on rest, there's a few statistics. statistics, (laughs) That's tough. Statistics I want to give you. Now, these won't be on the screen, so I want you to listen with me. But think about this. In the last 15 to 20 years, the changes culturally are massive in our world. Technology, people, social media. It's crazy, ain't it? It's wild. It's a lot different. One of the books I've been reading that I'm going to recommend to you in a minute by Ben Stewart said this. Here's a quote. I want you to listen very carefully. He says this. Shifts in the atmosphere of society have had a profound impact on our vibrancy and the way we interact with God, the way we interact with one another, and even the way we interact with ourselves. Because these changes are simply in the atmosphere. We can't always see them, but we feel them. And recent data, this, this struck me, Deco. This struck me. He said, recent data shows this, that there is something about our modern lifestyle that does not promote human flourishing. That there's something about the way we're all living currently that does not promote human flourishing. Now, what does that mean practically? Let's break it down. Here's a statistic for you. Anxiety and depression. Delaney mentioned anxiety a moment ago, which she's not the only one. Every single one of us have anxiety and worries and fear and stress and all the things that we carry. And if we're not willing to admit that, we're not willing to admit that we're imperfect people. And until we admit we're imperfect people, we're never going to truly see a perfect God. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord? Amen. Every single one of us. So anxiety and depression. Think about this. The... The rise in statistics for both of those has been rising since 2008, and the age group it's rising in the most is 18 to 29 years old. 18 to 29 years old. Now, one professor of psychology at San Diego State University reported, watch this, this is about high school students, that from the year 2000 to the year 2015, some of you were just in high school not too long ago, from the year 2000 to 2015, that's 15 years, like Daniel, I can do math. The number of high school students who spent daily time with friends dropped by 40%. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? 40%. That's just hanging out with friends outside of school. Why? Hannah, my wife, who I love and adore, teaches ninth grade students. And guess what every single one of them has? Uh, iPhone. PlayStation, maybe an Xbox too. Some of these kids got it all. Everything they need inside their house, they can connect right there. They don't have to leave the house. So in 15 years, social interaction dropped 40%. That's wild, isn't it? I'll give you a couple more, and then we're going to look at God's Word. A study found, and this is alarming, that only half of Americans say they have meaningful in-person interactions on a daily basis. Some of us are in this room, and that's true. Half of Americans, as connected as we are, why are we so disconnected? Half of Americans don't have daily interactions with people they love and they care about. 
What's, what's amazing is, man, I, I know I can call my dad and he's going to answer. I know when I get home from work, Hannah's there and she's going to encourage me. But I have to seek out godly people. Do you have that? Because half of Americans don't. Social media has quite literally changed the culture and the atmosphere around us, and it's affecting our rest. Now, what do I want to talk about tonight with Isaiah? When it comes to rest, when it comes to truly finding an answer to this, it's similar to gardening. Now, I did a little bit of gardening when I was young, and I would help my mom, and we had strawberries, and it was fantastic. We had grapes and all the different kind of things. Whenever you're doing gardening, there's two things that have to happen, Fernando, no matter what. You have to pull the weeds, and you have to plant the flowers, J-Bar. There's a pulling out, and there's a planting. There's two sides to gardening that has to happen if you're going to have a successful garden. And so tonight, as simple as it is, I want to talk about those two things in your life, Eli, how you and me quite literally have to pull out the weeds of our life, but we also got to be planting flowers. In other words, we got to be pulling out the things that are draining our soul, the things that are draining our rest, the things that are taking us away from being intimate with the Lord, but we also have to plant. We have to draw near. We have to pursue things in our life that are going to promote intimacy with God. Now, before we look at our main text, I want to give you these verses on rest. So if you're taking notes, here's a couple of cross-references for you. To make light of my gardening illustration, I'll tell you this. 2 Timothy 2, uh, 22 says this. It literally says, flee from, this will be on the screen, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Look, flee, pursue. Flee, pursue. Pull, plant. Run, run. Right? There is a constant fleeing and a pursuing. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Now, you can trace rest all the way back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3 say this. You can write this reference down as well. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. I'm looking for you to give me some kind of affirmation here. How many of you know that if God rested, we should too, amen? That we see Jesus retreat and withdraw, and if Jesus rested, we should rest. Now, fast forward to the New Testament, right? There's God rested on the seventh day. We have ultimately the Sabbath put in place. Now, here's two scriptures in the New Testament that are very specific about rest and the Sabbath. The first one comes from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 to 11, three verses. Here's what it says. The author of Hebrews says, Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Not only that, but we see constantly the Pharisees manipulate the Sabbath and use it to lord over people, right? They take what God intended for men and they made it for themselves. And Jesus speaks about this in Mark chapter 2. Here's another reference I'm going to give you. Mark chapter 2, Jesus talks about the Sabbath and he says this in verse 27. Then he told them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So what does it look like to rest? Let's look at Isaiah 26. I'm going to give you a couple of things, and then we're going to sit at the Lord's feet tonight. Isaiah 26, one verse tonight. Isaiah, who was a major prophet in the Old Testament to the southern kingdom of Judah, his, it says this in Isaiah 26, this is verse 3. 
pastor quoted it yesterday. Here it is. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. I'll read it one more time. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Now, the two things I want to give you tonight come from this resource that I want to recommend you because it's so good, and I'm not going to take credit for it. A resource I want to recommend to you is a book by Ben Stewart, and I'll show it right here. It's called Rest and War. Now, tonight, we're going to just scratch the surface, really, of rest. But if you want to go deeper, I encourage you. This book is in the bookstore right out there. You can walk away with this book. You can get it. If you are interested, it's called War, Rest and War by Ben Stewart, and I would highly recommend it. It's a very, very good resource. So let's talk about it. Here's the number one thing. First off, number one, what we have to do to find rest is we must, and this is a little long, so we'll keep it up there so you can get it. Number one, persistently move away from ways of thinking and living that discourage intimacy with God. Very simple, very clear, and I love this. It's persistently move away. It's that idea of pulling the weeds out, moving away, getting away from, persistently move away from ways of thinking and living that discourage intimacy with God. How many of you know that we, as his book says, are in a war, right? Understand that we are in a war. We have a real war ahead of us. The Christian life is not easy. The Christian life is very hard at times. It is taxing. It is tiring, right? We have to find our rest in Jesus because you're going to get beat up by the world when you choose to live counterculturally to the world. It's just simple. So in your context, in your sphere, I want to challenge you. What does it look like for you to move away from those things that are draining you and draining your rest? Because all of us have things in our lives, sins, strongholds, discouragements, worries, fears. We have things that are pulling us away from being intimate with the Lord. What are those things for you? What is it in your life? What weeds do you have that you got to pull up and you got to get out so you can get intimate with the Lord again? What is that for you? Because Jesus, when he came to this earth, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross, died for every single sin, paid your penalty, paid my penalty, rose from the grave three days later. When we repent, when we call on the name of the Lord, when we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we find salvation. It is absolutely true that Jesus came to save. He came to save. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. Anybody grateful to know the Lord tonight? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And listen, if you don't, praise the Lord, you're here. <laughs> praise the Lord, you're here. We'd love to have a conversation with you, but we're not going to beat you up. I promise you that. <laughs> we're not. We will share the gospel with you. We will call you to what the Bible says, and we'll stand firm in it, but we will love you if you don't believe it. We will still love you. Amen? Amen. Jesus came to save. Well, watch this. He didn't just come to save. The Bible says Jesus came to destroy do you know that? Do you know the Bible said that? That Jesus came to destroy? You don't hear about that as much. Listen, when you, when you get into the church house, you praise the Lord, you hear a lot about Jesus came to save. Like, hallelujah, you know, I was a sheep and he came after me. Like, that's awesome. But to save someone, that means that they are in danger. I want you to hear me out for a minute. That means that they are tied up. That means that they are not free. To free someone means they're in bondage, means that there is a situation happening where they must be saved from something. 
that in order for you to have peace from Jesus, that means there was a circumstance where you didn't have peace at all. So the Bible quite literally tells us that Jesus came to this earth to destroy something. Do you know what it says Jesus came to destroy? It's not just flipping the tables. It's not just coming in and changing culture and preaching great truth. It's not just that. He came to destroy. I want to show you this straight from Scripture. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says this. The one who commits sin. I want to give him a minute. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. I believe it will come up on the screen in just a minute. If not, I can definitely read it. There's no problem there. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Let me read it. We may have it up there in a minute. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God, listen to this carefully, the Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy, here it is, the devil's works. Now, aren't you grateful that the devil is a loser? Hallelujah. Aren't you grateful that when Jesus came to this earth, he did not just save us. He also destroyed the enemy's work so that you and me can be saved. Isn't that incredible? That he came to destroy the works of the enemy. So in your life, if you showed up here tonight and you're tired, you're beaten up, you're discouraged, you're worn out. Let me tell you the number one reason why. It's not just because you need a nap. Although some of us could praise the Lord for a nap right now. Amen. My, some of us could lay down on this carpet because it's nice, and we could sleep right here. Dakota could sleep on this wooden stage. I've never seen anything like it. He ain't never passed up a nap. He ain't never passed up a nap. Preach. It's not just because you need food, although some of us could use a meal right now. Amen? We got more food coming for you next week. Make sure you're here. We're going to feed you. It's not just because you need to go sit and watch basketball. It's not just because you need to go exercise. Those are all great things. Praise the Lord. You know the number one reason why? you're beaten up, you're tired, and you're discouraged, it's because you have an enemy that is attacking you and wearing you out all day long. All day long. That's why you and I get tired, because we are in a battle. That as long as we have this flesh, we are constantly still waging war against the flesh. Paul says in Romans chapter 7 that I do what I don't want to do because he knew that even as great as Paul was after his salvation, as awesome as he was to write over half the New Testament, still Paul was in a fight against his own flesh. If he was in a fight against his own flesh, don't you think you and I are in a fight against our own flesh? I wish we had the steps right here. I'd come down for a minute. I might jump, but I'd break an ankle, and I don't need that right now. You and I are in a battle, and man, it is a tough battle. And some of you walked in tonight, and you are losing. Let me be honest. Some of you walked in here tonight, and you are losing that battle very badly. And you are discouraged, and you're worn out, and you're worried, thinking that I'm going to get up here and beat you over the head about it and make you feel bad that you're so worn out and tired. Nope, I'm not going to do that, I promise. I'm going to tell you truth from the word, but I'm not going to beat you up because I go through the same thing. I was telling Hannah the other day, I was like, Hannah, it's kind of tough to preach on rest. She was like, why? I was like, because I don't know if I really know how to do it well. I'll be honest. I was like, I don't know if I can preach on this because I try to do it, but man, my mind goes 24-7. Anybody's mind go 24-7? Like, man, I'm telling you, it's not like the bank. It don't close at five. Like, it's open around the clock. It's McDonald's. It doesn't shut down. (laughs) And I love McDonald's. Ten piece? QPC? It's good. 
Sonic, let's not get on that. Let's not get on that. Let's have a great night tonight. Let's have a great night tonight. Where was I going? Minus 24-7, praise the Lord, Deco. Still going right now. I'm thinking about 20 different things right now. Some of you are here tonight, man, let's be honest. Like, you're, you're here, you're present, but you're thinking about 20 different things right now, too, you know? Like, man, sometimes we come in, we sit down, and, like, we zone out. And we're like, oh, man, you know, I got an assignment due tonight. Somebody had that thought right now. Like, man, it's like, who? Oh, does he know, you know? Some of us think about work tomorrow. Some of us think about family. Some of us think about... Man, just some of us are thinking about stupid stuff. Some of us are thinking about real hard stuff. It doesn't shut down, right? It's tough. It's hard. That's because, as our pastor says, the enemy is quite literally sending fiery darts at your mind around the clock. Around the clock. And that's the biggest reason why you're tired is because the enemy is waging a war against you. And for some of you, he's winning. Here's why. If you're tired of losing, if you are sick and tired of losing in the fight with rest and with confidence and with strength, what you need to do is not just add spiritual things into your life. We're going to get to that in a minute. But you have to begin pulling the weeds out. You have to begin to get the junk out of your life. You've got to begin to remove it. You have got to pull away from anything that is discouraging your intimacy with God. you got to begin to pull it away. Sin, a stronghold, fear, worries. I don't know what it is for you, but you know. I don't have to apply it overly specifically for you because you know what it is. But until you get that, that darkness, that hurt, that pain, that shame, that guilt out of your life, you're going to be tired. You're going to be fatigued. You're going to be worn down. You're going to be discouraged. And every single one of us in here goes through it. Every single one of us. So what is it for you? Speaking of the enemy, one of the verses that speaks to us very clearly is James chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Isn't that an encouraging verse? We put that back up on the screen for just a minute. Uh, James 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I mean, praise the Lord that we, because of Jesus Christ, have a chance at real rest. That's why you can go on vacation. Let's get real honest. You can travel to Hawaii for nine days, and you can go to the most incredible beach. I've been there. I've been to um, Kauai Island. It's going slow tonight. It's open, but it's going slow. Been to Kauai Island, beautiful. You can go lay out on the beach. You can sunbathe. You can eat good food. You can hang out with good friends. You can do it for nine days. You can come back to, to Memphis, and you can still feel tired. It's because all that time that you're doing the great, fun, physical things, the enemy can still wear you out if you're not in God's Word and in prayer. There's not a destination on this planet that can give you rest. The only one who can give you rest is the creator of the planet. Because the planet's not sustaining itself. God is. So if a planet can't sustain itself, it sure can't sustain you. You and me aren't sustaining ourselves. You know, somebody's got to wake you up in the morning. It's not just your alarm. Somebody's got to put breath in your lungs. Some of you are so proud of how smart you are. Praise the Lord that you're smart and intelligent, but you didn't craft that brain. <laughs> you didn't. I didn't. Believe me, I would have gave myself a little bit better one. Especially with math. Amen. That'll come in handy. Somebody is sustaining you. Scripturally, we believe it's the creator of the heavens and the earth, that he is sustaining you every day. So, watch this. If you 
can't sustain you, how in the world can you sustain another person? How in the world can another person sustain you? Can't do it. Has to be the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I'm telling you, he will never fail you. He will never let you down. There is something to this gospel that's been changing lives for 2,000 years now. Jesus Christ. There's something to it. You got to pull the weeds out, man. If you're going to have a garden, you got to pull the weeds out. Before you plant flowers, you got to pull the weeds out. Some of you are trying to plant flowers on top of the weeds. You can't do it. You got to pull the junk out of your life before you can have anything healthy growing. And for some of us in the room, man, like, it's not that we're out robbing banks, committing crimes. It's those tiny little thoughts that pop into our brain that wear us out. Because what I love about Isaiah 26 that we're going to look at even closer here is that it says you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace for it is trusting you. This, this game of peace comes down to the mind. It comes down to the heart. Guard your heart above all else. It's the source of life that you and your heart and your mind, that's the battle. And some of you are tired. This is my last time saying it, and I'm moving on. Some of you guys are tired and worn out just because you are losing the battle of your mind, and you don't. If I, let me be honest. You don't care yet enough to do something about it. You and I don't care enough yet to do something about the battles we are losing in our mind. We just play the victim mentality. Now I want to ask you about the people in your life for a minute. Because they influence you. God bless you. One of the reasons why I love Hannah and my team, Dakota and Mackenzie and Delaney and Skyler, one of the reasons why I love those people so much is every single day they encourage me and they build me up and they celebrate me and they support me and they pour life into me and they every day build me up. And I try to do the exact same for them because I love them. We're all imperfect people, but they build me up every single day. And that's why I love, love, love them. That's why I love my mom and my dad and my sister because they want the best for me. They push me to godliness. They want me to thrive in Christ. But in the 28 years that I've been on this planet, there's a lot of people I've come in contact with who have not wanted the best for me, who have not wanted me to thrive in Christ, who have not prayed for me, who don't care about my soul. And you know what? Some of you have a whole lot of people around you that are not pushing you to Christ, not praying for you, not praying with you, not encouraging you, not supporting you, not kicking your tail so that you'll get closer to Christ. All right? Decoat's nodding his head because he's had his tail kicked a couple times. Well, I have too. Like you... If you don't have godly people around you, how do you find yourself becoming godly? Because they are going to influence you. Yesterday in service, and then we're going into point number two. Yesterday in service, this happened yesterday morning, and I knew instantly that I was going to share it tonight. The Lord gave it to me. I believe everything's an illustration. These letters are up here are an illustration. This table sure is too. Everything's an illustration. I saw something happen in church yesterday that I thought was a perfect Perfect picture. Aliana will love this. A perfect picture of what church is supposed to be. So incredible. I haven't even told Hannah yet this. I haven't told a soul this, so she's going to hear it tonight. Praise the Lord. An example of somebody doing something godly when they don't have to. Just taking the initiative, Sam J. I see you. Just taking the initiative. Just taking the initiative to love somebody inside the church walls. Yesterday morning, we were doing invitation, and every Sunday morning, I stand up front. I got my polo on. Hopefully, I got some Jordans on, <laughs> but nobody said anything yet, so we're going to keep going. I'm on the live stream. Hey, and uh, I'm up there. I got my little name badge. I was up there yesterday morning. Pastor was calling for people to come and to pray, 
And this woman came up there, and she was praying with one of our, our pastors. I didn't know her. She came alone. It looked like she was alone in church. You would never know who this was. This is. I don't know who this is. She came up, and she was praying, and she had tears flowing down her cheeks. Tears. You know, every single one of us in this room could cry. I don't know when the last time you heard that was. I could cry. But we're so strong in our image. We have to maintain an image. And we don't ever want to look weak. And we don't ever want to show when something's bothering us so we don't cry. And the last place we would cry is within the church walls because we think we'll be judged. So to be honest, for some of you who are thinking like, man, she was crying up front of church. If we're honest, every single one of us, guy or girl, it doesn't matter how tough, how tough you are. It doesn't matter. Every single one of us could come up here, and if we really put our heart before the Lord, we could cry. I could. I have no shame in it. I'll tell you right now. There are things that have happened in my life that I could cry about and give over to the Lord. And some of you, if I can be honest, I don't know who this is for. You need to go home in your prayer closet, lay down, and cry to the Lord and ask him to help you. I don't know who that's for. Might be for me. Candace going to come home like, man, he took it to heart. <laughs> he applied it. She was crying, just like any of us could. There ain't no shame in that when we're crying to the Lord, crying to loved ones. She was crying, and she was alone in church. And the pastor finished up praying for her. And she walked back through the aisle. Now, Bellevue, we have thousands of people here on Sunday morning. It's a mega church. Can't hide that. It's a mega church. And as she was walking, Hannah, stand up for me. As she was walking, you come right here. Can everybody see right here? This is nothing crazy, I promise. Nothing crazy. Hannah doesn't know I'm doing this, so she's very, very helpful for helping me out. As she was walking down the aisle, I promise this isn't goofy. This is, this is serious. As she was walking down the aisle, she was walking just like this. She was walking back alone, Tanner, to go back to her seat or to leave after tears, crying down her face over whatever it is she was going through. And she didn't know, it looked like she didn't know a single person inside the church walls. And this woman in the row, I watched the whole thing happen, was sitting right here and didn't take her eyes off this person. Didn't know her, wasn't related to her, but was just watching her the entire time. And this is what this church member did. I don't know who she was either, but Piper, as she saw this woman crying and walking, this is exactly what she did. She walked straight over to her and grabbed her and started praying. Who knows what happened from that, but that could have changed that woman's life. Because in that moment, it didn't matter that she didn't know who she was. It didn't matter that they weren't friends. It didn't matter anything like that. What mattered was this woman was crying in church, and she's a believer, and she's going to come over and comfort her in the midst of her battle and her turmoil and her pain. You know why so many of us as believers are tired? It's because we aren't encouraging each other when we're tired and when we are fatigued. It's because we come into church and we play church. That's why we're so tired because we play church, because we see people going through stuff. We see people hurt. We're hurt, and we won't talk about it. We won't step out of our way to go see somebody and say, hey, I see you. I hear you. I'm with you. I don't know you. I don't know your story, but guess what? I don't have to. I'm just here. Let me give you a hug. Let me pray for you, and you keep going on your way. We're tired and we're worn out because we're trying to do the Christian life alone because we come to the church as a whole, not Bellevue, as a whole. We come here and first off, we're not showing the love of Christ to anybody ourselves and then we get mad when nobody else shows it to us. If you're sick and tired of playing church, if you're sick and tired 
of being tired. Go to somebody else, encourage them, and you will find encouragement in your fatigue. You be the change that you want to see in your own life, and you go do it in somebody else's life first. Tonight, if you see somebody in this service that maybe is similar to that woman, go talk to them. Encourage them. Love them. Let me give you number two. Not only number one, not only do we have to pull the weeds, not only do we have to move away from that which is not encouraging us to intimacy with God, but number two, there's a pursuit. Here it is. Continuously move towards. Continuously move towards ways of thinking and living that promote intimacy with God. There's a pursuit. So, number two, continuously move towards. So there's a moving away and there's a moving towards. Here's number two. Continuously move towards ways of thinking and living that promote intimacy with God. Now, as we look at Isaiah 26, verse 3, there's three things about rest that are factual and that have to be true. I want to give you these subpoints if you're taking notes. Here's the first one. A, rest must be pursued. At the end of the day, rest must be pursued. Understand this, cautions. Rest will not fall into your laps. Rest will not just happen to you. It won't. If you let things just happen to you, you will be busier than ever, ever before. Your schedule will be filled. If I don't say no to things, I would never be home. <laughs> I'm telling you, if I just said yes to everything, I would never step foot into my living room. <laughs> I have to say no. I have to pursue rest. I have to do things that promote intimacy with God. I have to move towards that. With Hannah, a date night is not an option for us. A date night is going to occur no matter what we have going on, no matter how I'm feeling or how she's feeling, which she always feels great. But me, I might be tired. I might be worn down. It doesn't matter. It's not about me. A date night is going to happen. I can guarantee you that. You know why? Because me and Hannah understand very clearly that for us to grow in our relationship, we must do things that promote intimacy with God. And if me and Hannah are not having a date night, we are not moving towards the Lord. We are drifting further away from each other. A date night's not an option. That's why your prayer life, let's be honest, that's not an option. Prayer is absolutely 1,000% essential. <laughs> like, I, hear me. If you are not in prayer, you will never, ever, ever find rest. That is your direct line, your direct connection to the oxygen for your soul. Prayer. In the same way that I've got to sit down with Hannah at Huey's and have a great intentional conversation. I've got to sit down with the Lord, not necessarily at Huey's, but maybe I've got to sit down with the Lord <coughs> at the park where I got saved. And I've got to talk to him. You've got to talk to him. If you really believe he's the God of rest and you don't talk to him, don't be surprised when you're not a person of rest. <laughs> He'll give you rest, but it has to be pursued. You got to look at your calendar. You got to say no to some stuff. You can't live with FOMO. <laughs> you can't, I'm telling you, you can't live with the fear of missing out because you have to pursue rest. You have to pursue times in the word. You have to be on the pursuit. Flee from youthful desires and pursue righteousness. 
I'll give you these verses. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. He says very clearly, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's pause right here. First off, this is a call for salvation. That ultimately, you can't find rest if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That there is a call to come to Jesus in a saving way. That quite literally, that sin you got on your back, that sin you got on your shoulders, when you come to Jesus, it is relieved, it is forgiven, it is released, and you feel like a new man and a new woman and a new creation in Christ. Jesus says, come to me. This is a call to repent and to trust in Jesus. But not only that, it's a call day in and day out to pursue the arms of Jesus, to run to Christ in all that you do. And some of you guys, if I can be honest, you're just not. I don't want to be harsh with you. I've been there many times in my life. I want to encourage you, but you're tired because you do not pursue Christ in your personal life. That's why you're tired. Because your public life is about Christ, but your private life is not. Uh, listen, I, I can be in the same boat. But if you're not pursuing Christ, if you're not coming to Jesus, you're not finding rest. <laughs> Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We have an opportunity to receive great blessings of the Lord and from the Lord. But we simply oftentimes don't ask. Our generation needs these next two verses more than anything. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, you may know it, says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Take the New Testament back to the Old Testament. Isaiah said, You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. Then Paul says to the Philippians, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If your mind is not dependent on the Lord, you're never finding peace. Pull out the weeds. Run from the discouragement. Run from sin. But at the same time, are you replacing it with that which is godly? It's not enough to just say, okay, I'm going to never drink alcohol. What are you replacing that time with? Is it something godly? If you give up alcohol and go straight to playing video games 24-7, you're not going to find yourself becoming any more godly. Do you find yourself giving away the sins of your life and replacing it with the goodness and the faithfulness of spiritual disciplines? Do you find it? Not only that, Matthew 6, 25, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't you love that? Don't worry about your life. <laughs> Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, incredible teacher, the greatest we've ever seen, fully God, fully man, says don't worry about your life. For some of us, it should just, we wish it would just be as easy as, okay, I mean, <laughs> that's the Son of God. He's telling me not to worry about my life. What specifically? What you will eat or what you will drink. Or about your body or what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? College students, if God isn't allowing you to miss a meal, if God isn't allowing you to miss a cup of water, why are you worried about your career and your relationship and, and being single or being married or being somewhere in between? Why are you so worried? It's a sin. That's not 
continuously moving towards the things that promote intimacy with God. Listen, worry is not promoting intimacy with God. Worry is promoting intimacy with you because you're trying to think your way through every situation. And listen, I don't need more of me. I need more of Jesus. I love you. I think the world of you guys. Man, I really do. But you don't need more of you. You need more of the Lord. One of the first times I ever realized that rest had to be pursued is December 26, 2015. I can give you the date. I can give you the time. It was almost midnight. Haven't talked about this in a long time. December 26, 2015. 21 years old. I realized rest had to be pursued. I had to give something up. I didn't know Jesus yet. I wasn't saved. And I drove out to this park where I like to go. And man, I got out there to that park and I did something for the first time I've never done that you probably maybe have never done. I got to this park and I've been contemplating Christianity. I've been contemplating Jesus. I've been thinking about the things of the Lord. I was really thinking about giving my life to Jesus. I wasn't sure about it. I wasn't sure if it was all real. I was kind of worried. I was kind of nervous about it. And I got there and what I knew very clearly I had to do was lay face down on the ground at this park at midnight. Is that not the weirdest thing you've ever heard in your life? And if you're driving by, you would think that I was on drugs. <laughs> like, it's the day after Christmas. Somebody driving by, like, man, he had a terrible Christmas. <laughs> he did not get 2K. Like, he did not get what he needed. Like, he had a terrible Christmas. Man, my life was rough. And what God called me to do, what I knew I had to do, is I had to lay face down on the ground before the Lord. Because I was tired, I was worn out, and I didn't know him, and I didn't know what to do. So I got to that park, and I laid face down on the ground. Yes, it was freezing cold. Yes, it was embarrassing. It was humiliating. And yet, can I tell you, it was that moment in my life where I was at my lowest and most humiliated that my life changed forever. Isn't that crazy? It wasn't when I won a whole bunch of games coaching. It wasn't when you thought I could preach a good sermon or not preach a good sermon. You have your own opinion. You're entitled to it. It's not when my mom and dad told me I did a good job. The greatest moment of my life was when I was laying face down in a public park at midnight the day after Christmas in tears. I pursued it. I pursued Christ. I pursued rest. I laid down. Have you ever laid on your face before the Lord? What if you were to do it tonight? What would happen? If your heart's not in it, nothing. Be honest, you'd just be laying on the ground. But when you lay down and you pursue Jesus, come to me all who are weary, I can guarantee you, you will find rest. So I challenge you tonight, this week, Lay face down on the ground. And for all that's good, put your phone in another room. And lay down face down on the ground and just talk to Jesus. Maybe don't say anything. Just lay there and think about how good he is. Tell him what you need. Tell him how thankful you are for him. And let the Lord renew you and restore you. Rest has to be pursued. You can't say yes to everything. You've got to say no. And you've got to work your schedule. You've got to make it a priority. If you have 15 minutes in between class... Use that 15 minutes not for you, but for the Lord. If you have a 30-minute lunch break, use it for the Lord. What's your application? Because I could go all day long with it. What's yours? You know it. Not only that, but B, rest can be maintained. And this is something we don't understand. Not only does rest must be pursued, but rest can be maintained, parentheses, when the mind is dependent. Now, there is a condition to this. To have a rest that is sustained, to have a rest that is maintained, 
Your mind has to be dependent on the Lord fully. Rest in him. That rest doesn't just have to come on Saturdays. Rest doesn't have to just come on your off days. That you and I can experience rest even when our circumstances say we shouldn't. That's what scripture says. Why? Because circumstances are changing. Christ is not. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalms 4 verse 8 says this, I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. And then one of my favorites, Psalm 46 verse 10, Stop fighting and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. It can be maintained. And then C, Rest comes from trusting. Rest comes from trusting. So not only from Isaiah 26 do we see that when the mind's dependent on Christ, rest must be pursued and can be maintained, but rest comes from trusting. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 say this. You know it. I love it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he will make straight your path. I don't know if you struggle with desiring to be in control, but if you're a control freak, it's hard to trust the Lord, is it not? Man, if you love control, the Christian life is not always the easiest. It's hard because you got to give up control that you don't have. you got to give it over to Jesus. And then Jeremiah 17 verse 7 says this, The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. It's blessed. I want to give you these verses tonight because I want you to walk away with scripture that you can hold on to this week. Ultimately, it's not an illustration that's going to give you rest. It's God's word. John 14, verse 1, before Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, he says this, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. There is a place for you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14 is right there. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 talks about faith talks about trusting. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith. You can experience rest, but you are going to have to pursue it. You're going to have to allow it to be maintained by being in his word, by being in prayer. And you are going to have to trust the Lord and give away that which doesn't belong to you anyways. Give it away. Stop distrusting God when he's been so good to you and your soul can find rest.